This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Welcome, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right, your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast around the rim and we are in full effect i am excited about this week because there's so much going on in the WNBA, so we have a lot to talk about i do have some good and bad news um the bad news is that tarika foster brasby our regular producer is not with us today um but michael one of the other espn producers for podcasts is joining us michael welcome to around the rim thank you very much it's a pleasure to be here now, Michael, say your last name for me because we have Chanel Gumake, we have Lachina, <laughs> we have some different names. So how do you say your last name? It's pronounced Rabie. Okay, so it's yeah. Mike Rabie. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. We're definitely excited to have you. And I am also excited this week. Chanae is uh, off doing all the fabulous and wonderful things that Chanae does. So she's not here to co-host for us this week. Um, she's been at the ESPYs. She's just all over the place looking beautiful and fabulous. But we have another beautiful and fabulous person who will step into the co-host chair this week. None other than WNBA champion, still the leader in all-time assists for a career in the WNBA. Join me in welcoming Tisha Penichero. Welcome, Tisha. Hey, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk basketball well, with you guys. I know. Well, and, you know, you have, like, blown up um, for our ESPN basketball pro uh, broadcast because you have been killing it on the Who Am I series, uh, which fans who don't know, ESPN <laughs> has started um, a little trivia game during our weekly WNBA broadcast where we have some clues and it's up to the fans to guess who those clues are describing. So it could be like, I love to cook. Um, you know, I was an All-American. I'm still the all-time leading scorer or shot blocker, whatever it is. And it's usually a player, though we have had a, a, a coach as well. We've had some little, um, we've, we've had some, some things thrown in there that threw us off yeah. a little bit. Would you agree with yeah. that, Tisha? Curveballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you guys had Freddie Williams one time. And, I mean, I was like, okay, I need the rules of this game because I – Definitely, it was like, I don't know who this is. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy playing. I think it's a great idea to get the, the fans involved and uh, participating more in the WNBA and to watch the games. So it's one of my, uh, my ways of staying competitive is to try to be the first and to guess right. Yeah, we want to thank Stacey Hunt, who's actually a big part of our ESPN uh, women's basketball and WNBA broadcast crew that came up with the game, and they've been executing it so well. So, Tisha, we have a lot to talk about. Um, fans, just to give you a rundown of the show, we have a, a great rundown for you. We have yet to recap L.A. versus Minnesota Part 1 on the, on the podcast, so Tisha and I are going to break that down for you. We're also going to talk WNBA All-Star. Um, the starters were announced for both the East and the West, so we'll jump into that a little bit. And then joining the show, we will have the recently retired Penny Taylor of the Phoenix Mercury uh, joining the show. So we're really excited. We promised fans last year we were going to have Penny on. Uh, we're just kind of um, 
finding the right time to get her on and obviously with recently having her her jersey retired it's perfect so we've got a lot to talk about but Tisha first and foremost what is going on with you now for fans that may not know Tisha obviously is now retired from playing but she is a is a basketball agent so she is um, passing on her knowledge and experience to the next generation of girls and women's basketball players, helping them find a home both in the WNBA and overseas. So, Tisha, what's new uh, with you? Exactly that. You know, on my way to New York, actually, to go watch the Liberty play uh, Chicago. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, just trying to find jobs for some of the players that still don't have jobs overseas. Uh, I would say 85% of the WNBA players go overseas and decide to play all year round, which is very taxing, you know, emotionally and physically. But it's a, a way to, to, to stay getting money and staying in shape and to work on their game. So that's pretty much what I do now. Not, like you said, not just be an agent, but be a mentor a way to uh, help these uh, young ladies have the best career they can possibly have on the basketball court and off the court. Uh, I work for Sports International Group, an agency based out of Maryland, and uh, I wanted to stay close to the game. It's my my love, it's my passion, and that's a way for me to also uh, pay back to to the game they, they gave me so much. Well, and you pay back in a number of ways because I also love how you engage on social media. Like, you're always watching basketball. You're always giving fans something to talk about. And that's important. You know, uh, we don't want to lose the legends of our game. And you are a legend. You're someone who has grown the game in so many different capacities. So I'm just so happy that you've been staying engaged, not only as an agent, but just engaging with fans and and with the game overall. Now, for people that may not know, who are some of your your clients that you have um, as an agent? Well, we it's a big agency. We represent, uh, we represent a lot of the players. But me personally, I have uh, Kayla McBride, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, um, let me see, Ariel Powers, Natalia Tongwa. So uh, a few of the, the young the young ones that are, you know, because I've just been in the business for five years. Uh, so, of course, I, I tend to sign, um, you know, the, the young ones coming out of college, uh, Tiffany Hayes, with, who, who has been uh, named for the all-star team yeah. uh, for the East for the first time. So, you know, so I know live through them uh, and uh, their their glory and, you know, their happiness is my happiness. So I'm so happy to continue to share that with uh, with those players. Now, there's one more thing I wanted you to talk about before we jump into L.A. versus Minnesota. Tisha, you have such a great understanding of what happens with international basketball. And there's we love to educate on Around the Rim. We want fans to understand what's happening with WNBA players all year round, not just when they're here in the summer. So recently we had uh, the Eurobasket where a lot of players had to leave to go overseas and then came back. Um, you know, next year, I think it is the World Championships, mm-hmm. correct? in Spain. Yes. Um, And and so just, I I guess from an international standpoint, how can fans keep up? What are some resources that you use to keep up with what's happening with current WNBA players when they're overseas, whether it's video, whether it's Twitter, social media, whatever. And then what is going to be the next up and coming event or things that people should be looking forward to in international play? Well, there's a few sites that uh, I usually use 
to to keep up with the scores and uh, and the highlights and sometimes to watch games live. Um, you know, FIBA Eurobasket. I, I mean, FIBA Europe.com, Eurobasket.com. They do a great job of uh, of uh, uh, broadcasting some of the games. They're live. Sometimes with a time difference, it can be a little bit of a challenge to watch live. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the players go over there and uh, they sometimes they have seven to ten days after the last game uh, to prepare and uh, you know fly all over the uh, fly over the, the Pacific or the, the Atlantic or whatever they might be going to to, to play to continue uh, their careers. Um, and um, the next competition, like you mentioned, is the the World Championships that will take place next year in Spain. So it, once again, the WNBA most likely will start early because the, this competition will take place at the end of September. Uh, so for the WNBA to, to be done and over and uh, will to crown a champion uh, Bersodi allows the USA uh, team to to still practice a little bit before um, before the tournament starts. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that because I do want fans to kind of know um, that part of it as well. All right, so let's jump into LA versus Minnesota. First quarter. Fans, it's the first quarter, so that means it's time to blow the whistle. So Tisha and I are going to talk. A little bit about the WNBA matchup on July 6th that took place between L.A. and Minnesota. Now, as most of you know, these are the two teams that met last year with the playoff change. There's no East and Western Conference, so two West Conference teams met last year in the WNBA playoffs for the championship. It was a knockout, dragout. I mean, it was one of the best. It, in my opinion, it was the best WBA final series we've ever had. It went five games, and eventually LA would become the WNBA champions um, in dramatic fashion. So anyway, July 6th was their first matchup since then. And Tisha, Minnesota went on to win this game. The game was in St. Paul. Just want to get your initial thoughts or reaction on, on the game and what you thought of it and if you learned anything from, from this matchup. Yeah, I was pretty excited, like you said, to uh, to go once again to the the, the, the matchup of the finals uh, of last year's finals. That was so intense, and I came down to literally the last shot uh, to for the win. Uh, but you know, like Minnesota came in uh, came in and uh, you know punched first. Uh, they were up, I think, by like nine points in the first quarter, and I was a little bit disappointed just the way the LA kind of uh, was reacting. But eventually, they came back in the game, um, and uh, they were fighting. But I. I think, um, you know, Candace obviously probably she can be the first one to say was a little disappointed how she uh, performed. If I'm not mistaken, she had only two points uh, and LA ended up losing. Uh, but this is going to be, I don't know if we're going to have a rematch of uh, last year's final this year, but I think these are the, the still the two top two, uh, two teams in, uh, in our league. And there's a great possibility that we'll see a rematch in the finals uh, once again. Yeah, you bring up a very good point about Candace Parker. So basically, the Lynx had a 10-point lead at halftime. Um, it was 46-36, mm-hmm. and uh, Renee Montgomery was a big part of what oh, yeah. Minnesota did all night. But at halftime, she had 12 points. But Candace Parker, I think we were all waiting for her to kind of come alive. You're right, she only had two points, three rebounds. And honestly, even though Minnesota won by 11 points, the game got really tight at the end. So had they gotten something from Parker, you would think that it, this could have been another game where either it came down to the final basket 
or that um you know, that L.A. really had a chance to win. Now, Neca was outstanding the whole game. She had 27 mm-hmm. points, 14 rebounds. Sylvia Fowles uh, continued to dominate. She had a little bit of a slow first half, but that's because the defense was focused on her, right? She had 20 mm-hmm. points, um, 13 rebounds, and then uh, Simone had 16 points. Maya had 10. Um, and Chelsea Gray for for L.A., had 16 points. I guess the question is, when we look at how early this matchup happened in July July 6th, is that too early to really tell, Tisha, what these teams will be? And what team do you think will have the most growth between now and when they meet again and then when they meet again? Well, I, I think L.A. I mean, just because I don't think Candace will have another game like that. You know, sometimes it happens It happens to every player in the world. Sometimes you just have an off night and you cannot shake it off. And uh, it happened for her, you know. So I think next time they'll meet, I mean, she'll have that, that performance in the back of her mind. And I think she'll respond in a different way. And I think the game will be more competitive. Uh, so, and Minnesota, I mean, you know, they just a bunch of veterans that have great chemistry and then they've been doing this for a long time and they still remember that they did lose last year. So, uh, I, you can just expect that every time these two teams meet up, that it is going to be a battle. Yeah, and just one more thing to note before we wrap the conversation on this. You know, when I when I look back, it was first quarter, the Lynx had 25 points. Um, and, and L.A. had 14. So they already had carried a lead into the first quarter. Brian Agler, who um, is trying to use more of his bench this year, actually started Raquana Williams in the starting lineup. Now, she has been playing better of late, but he brought Essence Carson off the bench. So to me, that was a little bit of a wrinkle. You know, when you think about a team that um, is, is still trying to get their footing with all their new pieces. I don't know how the other starters adjusted to that change, uh, bringing Carson off the bench. But, um, you know, Lavender obviously comes off the bench and, and, and Odyssey Sims as well. But that was the biggest difference between these two teams is that Minnesota had better bench production. You know, Renee had 20. Planette had nine, but it was when she scored her nine and kind of how. And then Gia Perkins was great on the defensive end. She played 15 minutes. So, you know, I think the way the bench for L.A. will continue to to come along and how this newer unit without Christy Tolliver evolves, I think will also be a part of, of how we see L.A. Um, do here in the next coming months, and especially when they meet again. So, fans, please keep your eyes on the WNBA schedule in general, but especially L.A. and Minnesota, because I agree with, with Tisha that these are the two top teams um, by, by, by a bit right now. You know, I think Phoenix is catching up. You know, Connecticut, wow. Uh, <laughs> that is an amazing team. What do you think about Connecticut, Tisha? What do you see, what do you see in that team? Oh, my God. They just play with a lot of joy. They play together. They have fun. They are young. They have a lot to prove, you know, and they they just have fun. And, uh, you know, they are obviously very talented, uh, but I think they're just sick and tired not making the playoffs and just, um, you know, they have a great coach and great leader. And Jasmine Thomas is having an amazing season along with John Quill Jones. And, uh, I mean, Elisa Thomas, they all are playing great, you know, and you just expect them to, okay, this is just a fluke. And, no, they just keep going and going and going and playing well. I mean, yesterday they lost uh, to L.A., but they were on a back-to-back. So I expect, you know, them uh, to not be a fluke and to be uh, con- consistently uh, a team that now we have to talk about them to be a contender. Yeah, tip of your hat to Kurt Miller, who's done a fantastic job with that team. And Tisha and I, in the third quarter, we'll talk a little bit about the WNBA All-Star Game. But both Jasmine Thomas and John Quell Jones from the Connecticut Sun 
first time uh, WNBA All-Stars. They could have a possible third with Alyssa Thomas. We'll keep our eyes on that. But for right now, um, we're going to head to the second quarter where we'll be joined by Penny Taylor. So let's go. Second quarter, inside the huddle. Well, fans, we promised you Penny Taylor, and we finally got her on around the rim, uh, celebrating her 13 seasons in the WNBA, a three-time champion, three-time All-Star, an Olympian. Join us in welcoming Penny Taylor to the show. Welcome, Penny. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's an exciting time. I mean, um, you know, obviously, you guys, first of all, I watched the entire retirement ceremony i cried i laughed i felt sad i felt happy but phoenix um did a fantastic job with everything take us back to the ceremony and now that you're reflecting um what was that moment like for you yeah so i'm i i just can't express how uh grateful i am to the club and, and everyone involved for uh for what they did for me and and i'm just so overwhelmed because whenever people you respect so much say nice things about you it's um it's an emotional experience and um that's you know the fans appreciation and everyone I've sort of um you know that has had a part in my career was um just so generous with their um their thoughts about me and um you know the night was very special and and like you said I was on that roller coaster of emotion of laughing and crying and (laughs) just being uh, in a really happy place that night yeah. So take us back for fans that may not know kind of your background in basketball. Take us back to Little Penny back in Australia. How did you learn the game um, and kind of how did you develop? You know, you're one of one of we talk about the six foot wonders. So the six foot players that have versatility that can shoot, that can play all over the floor. So just tell, tell us a little bit about how you got into the game and some of your early influences um, in basketball. Uh, well, I first started um, at quite a young age because my older sister played and, and, you know, you just want to do everything your your older siblings do. And so I was about four. And I really had a um, a bit of a mental block with the game. I loved it. Uh, I loved practice. I loved just messing around playing. But when the games came around, I would, like, hate the attention and people watching so I would cry and run off the court. And <laughs> then, you know, but my, my mum was great at, like, just helping me stick with it and, because she knew I really did love it, and um, the following year, you know, all that went away, and I and I really just um, got into the game, and you know, and I never really stopped. I think, um, you know, in our programs in Australia, it's um, we have a lot of volunteer coaches, and I was lucky enough to get some really good ones who just gave so much time and effort to help it, help me develop and um, my teammates develop, and um, you know, it was a bit of luck too, like. Um, you know, we just had coaches that cared, and I had parents who gave up their lives pretty much to <laughs> drive us around and keep us involved in the sport. Yeah, growing up in Portugal, I knew at a very young age that I wanted to come to the United States because this is the place where basketball was born, best coaches, best league, best uh, best teammates, best everything. So did you, growing up, had the dream of going to, you know, coming to the States and playing here, or it just kind of happened because it happened? No, I think, um, you know, more for me at a younger age, there was no WNBA, so... I, I kind of knew that college wasn't going to be sort of my goal. Um, so at the time growing up, I really, our focus was our national team and being able to represent the country and, 
yeah, that was always, you know, a super important part of, you know, of, uh, women's female basketballers, um, you know, career. So that was really my ultimate goal. And then when the WNBA came around, there was just such an opportunity and such an excitement that you could really, like, make a career out of basketball. And, um, you know, Europe as well, uh, Sandy Brondello, for example, and Michelle Teams had gone and, and made money, you know, which was, in our league at the time just wasn't an option. So that really opened up the world for me. And, um, you know, over the last sort of, what is it, 15 years, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to do that. I know you credit Dan Hughes with, um, you know, kind of being that coach that drafted you and, uh, you know, brought you to the Rockers, which we no longer have, RIP. Um, but just kind of that being your link and bringing you first over to the WNBA. But you're known for your time in Phoenix and the three championships there. When you think back on maybe your memories in Phoenix, what are some things that just stand out to you, either in general or some specific moments of maybe your your best times in the WNBA? Um, you know, it was those teams that were selfless. And I think that any athlete understands when you're on a team where no one's really concerned about the individual stuff, they're really just focused on winning. And you all have that just coinciding passion. And that's just the most fun. And we didn't always win movies, although often it, it was those same teams that did go on to win. But it was just that enjoyment of everyone being on the same page and everyone fighting for the same reason. Um, and, and again, anyone who plays foot know that that's not common. Um, that is hard to find, and when you find it, it's so special. So all my memories are of, of just fighting together with uh, my teammates and um, just enjoying that um, that feeling of, of camaraderie, I guess. How has been the transition from being a player to now being a coach? It's been, actually, I think, um, very therapeutic in a way because I never really... Um, left the game. I think it, it would be a very hard transition um, from athlete to not being involved with the team. And so I was really lucky that the club um, kept me around and that I get to learn from great coaches. And I'm still involved with the team every day and, and I get to be a part of it. And, and now I get to learn so much more. There's, you know, I didn't realize how much work went into <laughs> the, the scouting and the coaching side of things. So that's been an eye opener. But luckily, I'm enjoying it, and I get to learn from people who I really respect. One of my favorite parts of your Jersey retirement ceremony was was Diana, her authenticity. Um, congratulations on your marriage. She definitely uh, has a different glow to her. But she mentioned just watching you weather the storms and the tough times uh, with grace um, and, and you know, we don't often get to reflect on that part of our journey. So when you think about, you know, the things, the turning points in your life and, and maybe some of the valleys, how has that helped you to, to get to where you are today and become who you are today? Yeah, look, um, I, I did go through some a couple of very difficult years and, um, you know, away from the court, it was, um, as well as my injuries, I had a lot of um, illness and, and death in my family. And, you know, I think... When you're faced with those sort of things, um, you have to find strength, but you have to... Un- For me, it was understanding that, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really um, about me, I guess. I just tried to be strong for my parents and what they were going through and trying to be there for them. And so I really um, just tried to be strong and tried to help them through 
you know, just the worst moment of their lives. So, um, you know, afterwards it was it was a long process of coming to terms with it myself, but really it was, I had a lot of support and Diane was by my side the, the entire time. So it's um, it was a, a real eye-opening thing about how strong I could be and how I could pretty much get through anything and, and deal with it. And um, as long as you face those type of things, I feel like you can come out the other side and, and find happiness again. Yeah, I think anyone who's ever crossed your path, I always tell people this, but you just have this um, this kindness. Like, you know how to deal with people. You're on the court. You were physical. Obviously, you have a great basketball IQ, that toughness. But the, the generous side, the authentic side, the kind side, you know, I could see, um, you know, just the impact that you've had on people around you who may be going through tough things because we never knew, you know, you were just kind of always the same penny. So um, I definitely think that 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 part of your journey is something that you handled in a way that all of us could learn through just how do you deal with perseverance. Now, your official your official title title is Director of Player Development and Performance. So you're going to be having an impact on the future of the game. But what what do you see happening when you reflect on the WNBA and the time you've been a part of it? What are you excited about most when you look at what players are doing and what's happening in the game now versus when you first started? Uh, look, um, you know, I think the game is constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. Um, I feel like this year, especially the athleticism and the um, the speed of the game is so exciting and, and I love um, you know, teams, you know, they've really taken advantage of that and have sort of embraced that, that new style of play. And, um, you know, that's exciting for everyone, the fans, the coaches, everyone to see. So um, I just, I like that I get to be sort of on the, the cutting edge of things. And, you know, it's always evolving. And I think that, um, you know, in the footsteps of the NBA, it's going sort of, um, fast-paced and free-moving and, and a lot of um, motion and, um, you know, it's it's a really exciting time for the WNBA. Taking a look at your new role with, with the Mercury, you are very close to what's happening with the team and this is a team that's very much on the rise. Before we let you go, um, what do you see happening with, obviously, Brittany Griner, who's uh, one of the front-runners for MVP, and just this newly assembled team. What do you see happening, and, and kind of what can we look forward to uh, post-All-Star? Well, I guess the great thing for us having 10 new players this season is that we're gelling. You know, we're coming together, we're we're working towards um, chemistry, and, um, you know, it, it does take a little time. And um, I don't know, I'm not sure I've ever been on a team where we've had such a turnover, but it's working and everyone's positive and, um, excited about our future. So I can only see that evolving um, as the season goes on. And what do you see new from Brittany um, that maybe, because to me she looks like a completely different player, but I'm curious what you see because you've been around her, um, you know, quite a bit, obviously. Definitely. Like, I'm so excited about um, this season for BG. She's she's taken, um, I think it's confidence, but I think also she's taken responsibility, you know, um, her first couple of years, you know, she had a lot of veterans around her and um, I think in a way she was still learning the game, but now she's just so confident in her abilities. She's taken responsibility for scoring. She's taken responsibility on the defensive end um, and she's really thriving with that extra weight on her shoulders. So I can't say enough about how proud I am of her and how her um, 
understanding of the game has really evolved, uh, evolved and how she's, um, she's leading this team right now. Yeah, she's definitely killing it. It's fun to watch. Well, we have we can't let you go without asking you one last question. And this is going to be a very unfair question. I'm going to warn you in advance, okay? So we've been having this discussion about who the greatest player to ever play ba- women's basketball is. <clears throat> so you can, you know, you can throw out anybody you want, someone, someone in your current organization, someone back from Australia. We've had we've had names submitted from all of those circles. So um, who would you say is the greatest women's basketball player of all time, Penny? Well, that's the easiest question you've ever asked me. It's obviously Diana, and I, I have you know, I've, played, <laughs> I've played with her a whole WNBA career, so... You know, I know uh, what she's done for this team and, and, you know, that those championships, you know, um, are all because of her. And, and not only that, but her, her her lack of ego, you know, that makes yeah. her such a great player too because she she would um, do whatever it takes for our team to win. And, and I think that is something special in, in the, you know, in the greatest player that you can't say about all of them. Yeah, no, she has definitely been the front runner on the show. Uh oh, Tisha has something to add. What you got, Tisha? <laughs> well, I just wanted to. Well, of course, she's gonna not sleep on the couch tonight. So, but that is definitely a, a great answer. <laughs> and I just wanted to wish you the best of luck uh, with your professional and uh, personal career, and also congratulate you on everything that you have done for women's basketball. You were definitely one of my favorite players, like uh, China said. Uh, just uh, and like Sandy said, the, the silent assassin. You always went about your business, did everything for your team, and it was all always a joy to watch you play. So, uh, best of luck uh whatever if you continue coaching or whatever it might come your way but i uh, just wanted to say that thank you so much thank you both yeah. for your kind words too yeah is, is there anything else in your future besides coaching penny could you show up as a chef or your you know something else you have <laughs> you have aspirations hey. of doing <laughs> no I, i'm always a, a advocate for the vegan lifestyle if anyone yeah let me know but um <laughs> I, you know, that's a passion that's away from the game, but um, otherwise, yeah, I can see myself staying involved in the game for a long time to come. Well, that is great for all of us because, as Tisha said, you've given so much to the game. WNBA wouldn't be where it is without players like you and Tisha that have really put this thing on your back. And uh, we just appreciate who you are, you know, not just as great as a player but also just as a person. And uh, we're glad that you'll stay involved and look forward to seeing you down the road. I appreciate that so much. Thank you both. Well, fan, that wraps up our interview with Penny Taylor, but stay right where you are because after the break, Tisha Penichero and I will be back to talk about the WNBA All-Star starters, and we'll also bring you a special topic in the fourth quarter. And while I have your attention, don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts to Around the Rim. You can rate us. You can also leave comments or on the ESPN app, you can subscribe as well. But make sure you're sending us feedback via Twitter, hashtag Around the Rim. I am at LaChina Robinson. Um, our producer is at she knows sports underscore. That's Tarika Foster Brasby or at Cheney321. And now we'll head into the third quarter. Third quarter. Scouting report. Fans, we're in the third quarter, and uh, Tisha Pinachero, the WNBA champion and WNBA all-time leader in assists, is still with us. Um, Tisha, let's talk WNBA All-Star. So um, the voting results have been returned, 
and the starters for both the East and West have been named. Uh, the starters for the West will be Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi, Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles, and Candace Parker. Now, in the East, the starters are Tina Charles, Elena Deladon, uh, first-time All-Star Tiffany Hayes, and two All-Stars from the Connecticut Sun, John Quell Jones and Jasmine Thomas. Now, the votes were based on media voting, fan voting, um, and, and interestingly enough, the reserves will be chosen by the head coaches in the WNBA. And, and I know that this has been my sentiment, Tisha, and, and I believe you share the same, that the West is loaded. Okay, like the West is so loaded that Brittany Griner, who is arguably the MVP right now, her and Sylvia Fowles running neck and neck, was not even in the starting group. Now, she was in my starting five. Uh, but, you know, because of some, I think people kind of take it literally in terms of positions for the team, she was left off of there. But anyway, the starter ballot. I don't think there'll be a problem in filling that in. Um, obviously, I think we're going to see Neka Gumake, for example. Um, I believe we'll see Brianna Stewart. But the East is so hard this this year, and I'm trying to figure out why. Yeah, I mean, the West, just like the, in the NBA, there's a little bit of a overload of uh, superstars. And uh, they, obviously, with the new format of the playoffs that was inserted last year, now it really doesn't matter if it's East or West or the playoffs, but for the All-Star game, it does. So uh, I'm glad I don't have to vote because I'll be having a hard time <laughs> who, uh, who I'll be voting for the East. I mean, there's some players that have been having good seasons, but a little bit up and down, a little bit like a roller coaster. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Elijah Clarendon, Elizabeth Williams. I think Alec Wrigley uh, of late is playing really well. Elisa Thomas I think without a doubt should be in it. Uh, but yeah, yeah the, the East is a little bit more um, challenging to, to pick the right reserves. Yeah, and I was thinking about that. And, and you know, I started to think, well, we don't have a Tamika Catchings. Uh, we don't have an Angel McCautry right now. Uh, you know, Cappy Pondexter is, is not, you know, she's not amongst the, the top names in terms of performance this season, though that's somebody who we're used to seeing in position to be an all-star. So a lot of change happening. And, and you're right, I agree with all those names. Definitely at the top of that, Alyssa Thomas, you know, you would think we would see someone else from Washington, possibly um, someone from New York. But, you know, like you said, there's been up and, up and down um, performances all season across the board in the East. You know, Candace Dupree could end up there. So you just, you don't know. Um, but it's definitely very tough, and I can't wait to see what the coaches come up with because at the end of the day, they know who they game plan for, right? They know Correct. who the players are that they're spending the most time preparing for in practice or in scouts. So I, I think it's only appropriate that they have that, they make that decision. Now, for fans that don't know, um, the WNBA All-Star Game is Saturday, July 20 second um and it is happening in seattle the game will tip at 12 30 pacific time on abc uh, there will be a three-point contest at halftime which i'm super excited that that's returning um, something that the fans have been wanting but there'll be events happening all week there'll be uh, fit clinics with the junior nba and wnba um you know seattle's a first class organization and if you look at some of the events that they have um a welcome reception they're doing all kind of stuff at the space needle it's going to be an epic 
epic, epic event. They will also have WNBA All-Stars throwing out the first pitch before um, the New York Yankees and, and Mariners game. So that would be a lot of fun. But Tisha, you're, you've been an All-Star in this league uh, uh, several occasions. What are some of your favorite WNBA All-Star memories? I mean, honestly, the game is great, but also it's a time for you to relax, to enjoy each other. You know, people that usually you have game faces on and you just are so competitive that you just want to beat them up. That this is the time to really <laughs> embrace each other as people and get to know each other's personalities and just create memories for a lifetime, uh, mostly off the court. But on the court, you just want to have a good time. You want to put on a good show. You want to represent the WNBA in a good manner, uh, but also give the fans what they want. And that, you know, to be a competitive game where, you know, it's like you, you want to play defense. You don't want to be uh, overboard, but it's going to be competitive, especially in the fourth quarter because your competitive juices are, are going to come. Uh, and uh, I'm glad you will be in Seattle, back to the West Coast. The Storm Crazies are uh, probably one of the best uh, fan base in the WNBA. So uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I will be there. I'll be in attendance, and I, I think it's going to be very competitive. You're so right about Seattle. They have great fans, great organization. And, you know, Tisha, it's only fitting we're talking to you about this because you are made for an all-star game. Like, if if, pe- if fans have not been, I mean, I, I know they've seen you, but they, I think they need to go back and revisit. I saw a pass that, I think it was She Hoops Network. I think that's what it's called. But it's a really good uh, women's basketball um, uh, media entity that posts videos on Instagram of what, people in girls and women's basketball are doing and they had a throwback pass of of Tisha's that just blew my mind like I was showing it to everybody that day like look at Tisha look at Tisha and you kind of did like a a 360 spin and I think the pass might have been to Rebecca Brunson but you were so fun to watch you're perfect for games like this who do you think would be like I'm used to like maybe a Shoni Schimmel or an Angel McCartry who do you think could spice up the all-star game and maybe be the MVP this year uh, I'm looking first of all at Sue Bird. I mean, uh, it's her tenth All Star appearance. She's playing at home in front of her fans. I heard actually people like criticizing, saying she doesn't deserve it. Uh, but I-, I think you know she's just going to take a lot of pride of being home and being the host uh, of, uh, of another All Star game. But I'm also looking at Chelsea Gray. I think she's not yet being announced, but I think if she if I had a chance to vote, I would vote for her. And she's somebody that I feel like has a lot of potential to put that extra mustard and ketchup on the hot dog and to give that spice that people like to watch. Yes, she better be in the reserves because <laughs> um, I really thought she should have been a starter. But yeah, she, we should definitely see her. And you're right. She has that magic Tisha Penichero thing to her game. So fans, one more thing I wanted to mention before we close this out on All-Star. Um, there will be an open practice, which is a good chance to get to see the players. Friday, July 21st, the day before the All-Star game, um, there will be a, an open practice where you'll be able to see both the Eastern and Western conference teams uh, suit up for their little, you know, hey, get to know each other session. The East practices from 2 to 2.45. The West from 3.15 to 4 o'clock. So, fans, we look forward to seeing you. I'll be there. Tisha will be there. So join us for the WBA All-Star Game. And with that, we are headed into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. So it is our out-of-bounds quarter uh, for Around the Rim. And before I let Tisha Pinichero go, before we end the show, we always kind of bring an off-topic up and something maybe that's happening in the news, WNBA-related or maybe not. So there was a 
controversial tweet um, from one Elena Deladon uh, that really picked up some steam over the the last week or so. Um, She tweeted to Lonzo Ball, who um, was drafted to the Lakers, who's playing in the W, excuse me, in the NBA Summer League, tweeted at him um, and said, how great would it be if, at Lonzo, blew out his shoes in the first Summer League game? Um, should have gone with Nike and then added Nike. Um, so she got a lot of flack because people were saying, why would you wish something bad on this kid? Um, you know, why would you say that? Honestly, when I read it, because she added him and added Nike, I thought she was playing, which she did later on come out and say it was a joke. Um, and then the the ironic part of the whole thing is that he ended up wearing some Nikes during the NBA Summer League game and played great, arguably his great game, his best game in the Nikes. Tisha, did you see all this happening and what were just your general thoughts on on all the feedback? Yeah, I did see the tweet and honestly, I I just couldn't believe that our people just take things to heart these days. It's like people just try, I mean, honestly, I think she was just trying to have fun with it. She's a Nike athlete and when she tweeted, I think there was no malice in her tweet. Obviously, people start saying, oh, how are you going to say that you want him to get hurt? Usually when a shoe blows, uh, then, you know, they're going to player is going to get hurt and I, I just felt like he was a little bit overboard uh then she tried to explain it a little better she stayed in you know in her belief uh and like you said you know it was funny that maybe he did take it to heart and he decided to wear some nikes the other day and he had a triple double or almost had a triple double so and it was definitely his best game so yeah i just think people need to need to lighten up a little bit and just have fun and uh sometimes people just too harsh on each other these days yeah, I thought the same thing, you know, and I, I actually got caught up in it because she was getting responses that people were telling her because she was a woman, you know, get back in the kitchen. A lot of the things they say to WNBA players and just women athletes in general, just women in general, like mm-hmm. basically that she couldn't say how she felt because her opinion didn't count. So I was like, you can say what you want. I wasn't endorsing, um, you know, what she was saying about Lonzo because I just, I wasn't even, I don't even care, honestly, to be, I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. I'm locked in the WNBA. I've watched Lonzo play a couple times, but I'm not all into that whole scene. So I was like, girl, you can say what you want to. Basically, you know, women power. Like, we're not going to shut up. Yes, Mm -hmm. we're women, and and our opinions count. But people were making it racial. They were making it, um, you know, just about so many other things. And and I think what you said is exactly right. Like, sometimes we just got to be able to be lighthearted. I understand if you feel like that's going to have further implications for this young man, by all means, express how you feel, feel however you feel, but don't make your intentions, her intentions, because that's the way you perceived it doesn't mean that's the way that she meant it. And so I think people have to be willing to see this from all sides and, and, and stop with the trying to insult her. Like, you know, say how you feel about her opinion, but all the insults about the WNBA and her as a woman, um, and everything that they tried to say that was personal to me was just uncalled for. Yeah, honestly, I just feel like these days with social media, it just keeps platform to everybody, you know, to have a voice and have an opinion. And I mean, all of a sudden, like a, a simple statement turns into a, a gender or like a race issue that is really not called for. And it really bothers me. And honestly, sometimes I'm like on the WNBA page or the NBA page when they post, uh, you know, offensive comments and I report everybody. I'm like, this comment is not appropriate. This comment, yep. is, you know, so I report everybody because I just feel like people have too many, I don't know, too, ma- too much hate inside of them. Yes. And sometimes it's just not worth it. And it's just like, 
come on and chill. Like she, she really wasn't trying to offend him or his brand. I mean, she just made a comment that was could be taken as a joke and obviously uh, most people didn't take it as a joke so I felt bad for her but at the end of the day she kind of held her ground and I mean it kind of validated her tweet because he did wear Nike so bam (laughs) yes it was it was funny when he put the Nikes on everybody was like whoop we didn't really hear too much more about it but fans that is it for our show that is our fourth quarter Tisha thank you so much we always you just grace the show like so much knowledge I mean it's English yeah. your second language because you just speak so like you're, you're, you communicate better than I do I'm just always no, impressed with your with your knowledge mm-hmm. no I'm serious with your knowledge and your ability to communicate the game hopefully we can have you back for more episodes of the Around the Rim we know you're busy um, but thanks for everything you do and I can't wait to see you at All Star Girl let's hang out absolutely <laughs> anytime well, you guys have- always can always invite me Thank you, thank you. Have fun um, tonight uh, for Chicago versus New York. Kind of a, a big game. Sh- Chicago's gaining some momentum. I think they won their last yeah. two, and, and New York needs to get on track. So it uh, should be a good, a good, good game. Yeah, it should be a good game. And tomorrow I'm going to Swing Cash's baby shower. So oh, I'm gonna miss it. Oh. I know. Yeah. So I it will be that. a good weekend. So, but uh, yeah, we definitely will catch up in Seattle. And everybody that's you know listening to the show, please come on and support the WM. NBA continues to support and come out to the all-star game if you can. It should be a good time. Should be a good time. Thank you so much for joining us, fans. Thanks to Tisha. Thanks to our producer, Mike. And we will see you next week. We'll be back with another episode of Around the Rim. See you then. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.